But yes, um, for the last 20 some weeks or so, we've been turning to the Gospel of John. Your Bible just falls right open to it, right? Well, the Gospel of John has come to an end. And I was thinking, where do we go from here? So I thought, well, John wrote the epistles. We could do first, second, third John. And then Aaron, he, he leads us into Revelation last week where John, the gospel writer, also wrote the book of Revelation. I think he made that very clear, and he did a great message last week. If you weren't here, if you didn't get to hear it, you can go on the website and catch the message that Aaron preached last week on your, on, on your first love, how to recapture your first love for Christ. Um, so I was thinking, okay, but the gospel of John really wasn't about John. Who was it really about? It was really about Jesus. This is why you sit in the front row. You, you're so sharp, so sharp. So I thought, well, let's carry on with Jesus then. I mean, he's been uh, risen from the dead, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and he's still hanging around the earth for about 40 days, right? So we got to look into the book of Acts. So I'm thinking, let's look at the book of Acts. And Luke, the, the, uh, Dr. Luke is writing in the book of Acts, and he's writing to his friend Theophilus and... Um, he says, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had presented himself alive after, he suffer, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we only in the book of John and the other gospels have, a, have Jesus showing up just a few times, right? I mean, it's, it seems like he would come for a few minutes and then disappear. But this would make it sound like he was hanging out with them, talking to them, unpacking the things of the kingdom of God. I mean, you don't do that and just show up and in three minutes tell them about the kingdom of God. So he was, he was spending time talking with them about the kingdom of God. And then, verse 4, I'll just read it. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be wit my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, as you can see, I'm looking at our next series. I just got a couple weeks here to talk, and I'm not sure what direction to go with this, because two weeks from now, Pastor Madziri will be here from uh, Zimbabwe, Africa. My goodness, what a privilege to have Pastor Madziri here the president of the largest denomination in Zimbabwe. Over a million people in the denomination. He's the president. You will be here. You will be here October 1. And bring a friend. Um, and then on October 8, we have Phil Rollins from England. You have not met Phil, but since we survived Bill Yant a couple weeks ago, um, we will be able maybe to handle Phil Rollins. Phil Rollins from England is more of an evangelist, prophetic evangelist. Some of the guys have heard him at the summit. He's an old, fr an old friend. He's a former, he is a friend of John Dean. They, they used to hang around together like 40, 50 years ago in England when they both had these big, huge ministries. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll tell you more about Phil later. 
So I got two weeks here, and, and thinking about going into Acts, because, you know, we're in a season with evangelists coming, and church growth guys coming, that, that we need to look at the book of Acts. And then I got distracted. I, I got distracted by my own devotions. You guys do your own devotions? Like, I, I was reading, I try to read like five chapters a day, so I was reading through 1 Samuel, like chapters 17, 18, 19, 20, and something just captured my attention so strong. I, I felt like I, and, and it was in this old Bible that I had, and I, I don't usually use it for my devotions, but I was here, and I was reading it, and, and it talked, it, it, in those few chapters, it talks about Jonathan and David, about their relationship. And it talks about their, their friendship. So I'm titling this message today, Kingdom Friendship. And somehow along the way, I'm going to tie it back together to Acts. Okay? I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. But stick with me, okay? Stick with me because I think what the Lord has put on my heart is very important. Okay? I say that, do I say that every week? No? Okay. I could, yeah, I could, yeah. Reading about Jonathan and David, I, I came to realize that they became, they're like the picture of friendship in the Bible. Anybody talks about friendship, they immediately think of Jonathan and David. But I, I thought there's a lot of people in church who are saying, I have a hard time making friends. And I thought, how did Jonathan and David make friends? You know what? They didn't come to the Valley of Elah. They didn't come to, to, to meet each other because they were looking for friends. It was not their focus. David did not go to the front line of the battle because he was looking for a friend. He was bringing bread and cheese to his brothers who were on the front line of battle fighting the relentless enemy of the Philistines. He was doing what his daddy asked him to do, bring the bread and the cheese. How simple is that? And, the, and, and he gets there and he sees this Goliath enemy of, the, of, of Israel taunting the armies of Israel, mocking the armies of Israel. And David had such a love for Israel, for his nation, for the kingdom. He had such a love for the king Saul and for his son Jonathan who had done miraculous, fantastic advancements against the enemy of the Philistines. But now they were facing this giant. And David said, what is going on? So David goes and he slays Goliath. And when you get to chapter 18, David and, Goliath, David and Jonathan actually meet. And, and, and they, st they start to talk. Now Jonathan knew that his daddy, King Saul, had already been reprimanded by the prophet Samuel. Jonathan knew that the kingdom was not going to be passed on to him because of his daddy's sinfulness. So Jonathan meets David, and as they're communicating, they're talking, they see that, wow, David, you slew Goliath. And David's looking at Jonathan, you did so mighty, such mighty acts against the Philistines. And it's like, because of their love for Israel, their hearts were drawn together. They became friends because they had a common commitment their friendship was a byproduct of their conviction, of their love for something bigger than themselves. So, kingdom first, friendship second. Okay? Jonathan and David were committed to the well-being of their beloved nation of Israel. 
their friendship was necessary to fulfill their destiny. Their friendship did not precede their mission. Friendships are a byproduct of people who walk together who fight Philistines or play football together or build a business together or build a church together or be a part of the kingdom of God together. When you come to a church thinking, I'm looking for a friend, 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 I'm looking for a friend. Oh, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Ah! But if it's like, oh, what's your passion? What's, your, what's, your, what's God got on your heart? How, where, where are you going? What, what's God calling you to do? And, and we, we, we sacrifice our life for the kingdom of God. We say, oh, I can get along with that guy. And we lock shoulders and we go together and it builds a strong kind of friendship and a bond together that cannot be broken. It's like God has given us something. So I wanted to just look at, very briefly, what, what, I, what I saw in 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20. The friendship traits of Jonathan and David. In 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4. Can you guys read that? Is it big enough? 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4. Can you see that from the back? Yeah? 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4. It says that... What it's talking about is that friends recognize God's calling on your life and they help you to achieve your destiny. It actually says that Jonathan gave David his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. All of this was signifying that Jonathan recognized something in David that David didn't even recognize in himself. You see, when Samuel anointed David to be the king of Israel, Samuel never told David what he was being anointed for. Do you know that? He, David did not yet, at this point, know that he was going to be taking over the kingdom. He did not know that Samuel had rebuked Saul and was taking the kingdom from him. J David did not come to the front line saying, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. <laughs> he did not. He was like promoting Jonathan and Saul. Jonathan is saying, here, here's my stuff. It was really like saying, here's my armor. Here's my anointing for the future. I'm giving it to you. That's exactly what, Dave, what Jonathan was doing with David when he was handing over this stuff. Remember, Saul had tried to put his armor on David when he went to fight Goliath, and it didn't fit because it wasn't time. It wasn't the right fit. Jonathan and David, it fit. Because he wasn't receiving the kingdom from Saul. He was receiving it actually from Jonathan. Verse 19, verse 1, it says they just enjoyed being together. The traits of friendship, Jonathan and David, they enjoyed being together. That's a good quality of friendship. It says that in, in 19, verse 4, it says that friends speak well of one another, even at their own risk. Jonathan risked his own neck speaking well of David when Saul became hateful toward David. When Saul realized that David had something that, was, uh, that he didn't have. He got jealous and started throwing spears at David. Jonathan protected David, David, even against his own father. Friends can be counted on in a time of trouble, chapter 20, verse 4. Friends always show kindness to one another, chapter 20, verse 14. And friends keep promises and secrets. 
they're trustworthy. You can tell them anything. You know they're not going to blab it all over the place. Maybe we'll unpack some more of this, but I want to get back to Acts chapter 1. Did I tell you that I was going to try to do that? Acts chapter 1. You see, when the, when the disciples asked Jesus this question, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I think it seems, it seems to me like a really good question because of the situation that they're in. It seems to me like this is, this is an impending danger. They are living in a situation where uh, they're surrounded by, they are under the, they're being occupied by the, a Roman army. They were all living like slaves under Roman occupancy. And like, this was a pretty big deal, don't you think? Like, Jesus, you've proven that you're the Messiah, that you're risen from the dead. Like, is this now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it really warm? I see people wiping their sweat. Maybe we're just getting too close. Who's deacon on duty today? Can they, like, put the air down a little bit? So, Jeff, you know how to do that? Please, will you do that? Am I the only one who's really hot today? Yeah? Having a hot flash. (laughs) It's this transitioning from Old Testament to New Testament that's making me really hot. It seemed like a really good question to me. Like, Lord, is this the time you're going to meet my need? Is this the time you're going to meet my immediate need, this pressing concern in my life, this situation I'm facing? Is now the time you're going to fix this? You've proven you got the power. You're risen from the dead. My goodness, is now the time? And it's like Jesus just kind of goes right around that question. He just kind of sidesteps it. He says, now is not the time for you to know about all that sort of stuff. He says, I got something bigger. I'm, I, I got something bigger on my plate. I got a bigger thing that I'm doing. Pretty soon you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see what the kingdom is all about. Restoring the kingdom of Israel is small stuff compared to meeting your immediate need is small stuff compared to being filled with the Holy Spirit and plugged into his kingdom. Meeting your immediate need is small stuff compared to what I'm going to do next. Can you be filled? You will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus explains the kingdom this way. He says that the kingdom of Israel, that that, that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's spiritual in its character. It's not political. The kingdom of God is international in its scope and its membership. It's not merely local, localized. And it is gradual in its expansion. The kingdom of God is spiritual. It's bigger than the the local church. It's bigger than our ability to get a handle on it. And it's a gradual thing. It's not going to happen immediately. It's still happening. It's expanding. 2,000 years later, the kingdom of God is still expanding into nations that have never heard the gospel before. The kingdom of God is expanding. And and, and God wants us, Jesus wants us to be a part of that. God has a plan, a bigger plan than you do. He has a bigger plan than I do. Sometimes I'm just happy to survive, to maintain the status quo. But he's always reminding me that he has a bigger plan. He wants me to keep up. He's building his kingdom. He wants me to grow in my heart and in my mind and in my sacrifice. 
He has something bigger than what I can do. He's building his kingdom. When I get involved in something bigger than myself, and my involvement makes me a bigger person. And, and our vision at River of God Church is not to build bigger churches, but to build bigger people. And as, as people get bigger, I mean, they will have a greater effect on the kingdom of God. They'll have more influence. So what I'm saying today, and if this may be the takeaway from this message, is to make a commitment to a cause that's bigger than yourself. David was committed to Israel. It was even then, was a temporary kingdom. But make a commitment to something eternal. The kingdom of God, his church, is an eternal thing. Make a commitment to something bigger than yourself, even if it means attending a small, a small group, a Bible study, or helping with a ministry at United in Christ Ministries. Involve yourself in something bigger than yourself, and you'll find that you start growing. And not only that, but you'll probably connect with people. When you go to a small group, you're assuming that the people who are in that small group have similar interests, and you begin to like connect with people. You begin to build lasting friendships. It doesn't come by coming up to Gary and saying, I want you to be my friend, okay? <laughs> it ain't going to happen that way. I said, let's do something together. Let's do something together. Let's build the kingdom of God together. And then it takes time. It takes time. It takes commitment. And strong commitment will, will build strong friendships. Strong friendships do not come first. Strong commitments come first. Conviction to an eternal purpose will build long-lasting relationships. Strong commitment brings strong friendships. Building the kingdom of God mentality results in, in long-term friendships. Our goal is not to build friendships. I mean, you can do that anywhere, right? Our goal is to build a healthy church that builds healthy people who contribute positively to the kingdom of God. I got friends here that I've known for 40 years that I can call really good friends. I know that they'll be interested in my life, my kids. Even after I die, they'll probably check in on my family. That's what David did for Jonathan, you know. Even after Jonathan had passed away, long time after, David went and so showed kindness to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. That's the kind of friendships that result from having similar convictions. That's the kind of relationships that come from committing yourself to something bigger than yourself. Strong commitments build strong friendships. I'm still friends with guys like Gene Gavin. Why would I be a friend with Gene Gavin? He has no, we don't have similar interests, hardly, except for the kingdom of God. Tom Machulewski, we've been, we lived together before we got married. 50, 50, is it 50 years ago? How old are you, Tom? Man, look at that white hair. Man, we're still friends. We're interested in each other's family. We'll take, I'll probably help carry his casket someday. Or maybe he'll carry mine. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, he doesn't even like baseball. He came from Poland. He likes ice skating. We have nothing similar except the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God builds lasting relationships because we're committed. He was so committed, he was he was hard to get along with sometimes. He was like passionate for the kingdom of God. No compromise. And he drove a motorcycle. 
I didn't like motorcycles, but because these guys drove motorcycles, I started driving a motorcycle. Anyway, good friends help us to stay committed to the most important goals, our most important aspirations, and the projects in our life that are important. The, 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 the strongest people, if they're doing it alone, are eventually going to run out of gas. Even Elijah, as strong as he was, as prophetic as he was, when he felt alone, he got depressed, was ready to, to, to kill himself when God had to rescue him and say, you're not all alone, Elijah, come on. I'll bring you to some friends. We need people who care about what we care about. But left to ourselves, we eventually will get discouraged. You know, David didn't go directly from the sheepfold, from the, from the fields in Bethlehem, taking care of the sheep to the throne. He needed relationships. Jonathan was not his only friend. If you read through David's life, he had lots of friends. He didn't just have one friend. It's too much pressure for one friend. You need lots of friends. He needed lots of friends to get from the sheepfold to the throne. He could not have done it on his own. The point of this message is you will not reach God's destiny on your own. You need other people. You need friends. You need strong friends who are committed to you. Strong friends who will be honest with you. Friends are a gift, but they're also a choice. Some friends just come into your life and you unwrap them like a gift from God. They're a special package. You maybe don't even know what's inside that gift, but they come to you and you get to know them. Friends are gifts of God's grace. They're brought into your life for his eternal purposes. We don't instigate our friendships, God does. Quite often, they are a surprise gift we unwrap, not something we chase after. We receive gifts of usefulness. All kinds of different types of people come into our life to help us with certain things. We, don't need, we need more than one friend. We need to love more people, more kinds of people for longer periods of time. It's one of my favorite sayings, especially when I'm with Love More Manaka. <laughs> we need to love more people. We need to love more kinds of people. We need to love them for longer periods of time. Okay? So friends are both a gift and a choice. We need to be intentional about building these relationships. You need to be intentional about it. You need to, like, in a few minutes, investigate which one of these small groups you're going to be a part of and then make a commitment to it. Even when you don't feel like going to the men's meeting some Saturday morning, come anyway. If you don't feel like going to the ladies' Bible study on Wednesday morning, come to it anyway. If you come and pray with this prayer group on, on Wednesday nights, I guarantee you'll build relationships. The people you pray with, you grow close to. You grow closer to the people you pray with. And you grow closer to the people you pray for. And you know what? You grow closer to the person you're praying to. So make a commitment. Make a commitment to something. Be intentional about building relationships. Terry King, John Dean, Bill Davidson, they are a great example of this. They live all across the country, but they get together six times a year. It's intentional. They're as different as day and night, but they are intentional about building friendships. It needs to be on your calendar to, to, to build relationships. They are, relationships, friendships are a gift and a choice. Friendships are characterized by openness, honesty, and loyalty and forgiveness. The people, the friends that you keep the longest are the friends that you forgive the most. 
Friends will disappoint you. Friends will disappoint you. The friends you keep the longest are the friends you'll keep the, the longest. Friends? The ones you forgive the most. I was thinking about my next thought about something I skipped over, this honesty part. Sometimes we think I'm just going to, you know, iron sharpens iron, I'm just going to fix everybody. I'm going to just be open and honest with everybody. I'm going to tell them what, what they need to do. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what? The longer you have a friend, the less likely you want to hurt them. The longer you have a friend, the more careful you are with what you say. Proverbs says only a fool vents all his feelings. I mean, you may feel something towards somebody and think, gosh, why don't you just stop doing that? You need to fix that. That's not a way to build friendship. Friends overlook things. And you, there's a saying that, that, that you don't use a hatchet to remove a fly from your friend's forehead. I mean, be kind. Be kind to your friends. Pray for them. If God gives you an opportunity, if they invite you in to, to something they're struggling with, then prayerfully speak the truth with love in such a way as that you would want to hear it. Don't chase people away by your honesty. That's not being honest. That's just being self-righteous. Be open, open to people. About your, uh, about your struggles, your vulnerability, opens the door to friendship. When someone's sharing with you their troubles, say, yeah, I, I feel that way too. I can relate to that. I've had some of those same troubles. That's openness. That's a, that, you don't come with the answer feeling self-righteous. I got all the answers for everybody. That's not going to build friendship. Praise God. Build your kingdom here. Build your kingdom here. Build friendships. Kingdom friendships is the title of this message. Remember, kingdom first, friendship second. Okay? Kingdom friendships. Why don't you stand with me, and we're going to dance a little with this song. Okay? Now, if you really want to get into it, watch Mike Carr. Can you see Mike Carr? He's been practicing this song. He never drummed this song before, so he's been working on it all week. Okay? Anybody want to start drumming? He would love to get back on his electric guitar. We have room. Okay?